Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is magician, corporate speaker, and TED Talk internet phenomenon, Brian Miller. This one is a little interesting because he fell in love with a book by author Seth Godin, a book that Penguin created a deck of cards for, and then Brian reached out to me to tell me how much Seth changed his life, and he was so passionate about Seth's writing that I knew you all had to hear it for yourself. Nick Lacapo joins me to discuss the feature product of the week from Benny Chickering. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians tell me about their favorite tricks before the clock runs out. This week, one of the newest teachers at the Penguin Magic School, Sarah Elephant, joins me for the top five under five. Sarah Elephant, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order, but let's start out arbitrarily with number five. Number five is a very little known, probably never to be seen effect called twisting ye aces. Oh, the uh, this is the uh, Vernon uh, packet trick is a good way to describe it, but it's the classic in magic where the four aces one at a time turn face up over and over again. Yes, with my own special twist. Um, it. Ooh, what, what's your special twist? Because I really like twisting the twists on twisting the aces. What what is the twist in your so twi- version? If I really give away my special twist, mm-hmm. then it ruins the performance. So I will try to just say that basically I perform it as someone who has no idea what they're doing with cards. Oh, so you've got more of a presentational twist rather than sort of like a kicker climax or something. Um, yes, but it does still end with lots and lots of confetti. If you are following me on Instagram or Facebook, you have seen photos of me after performing this. Mm-hmm. Usually I just perform it for magicians and like small groups because it's just funny. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I really, I really like it. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a handling of Twisting the Aces in Brother John Hammond's, uh, uh, well, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, the, the work of Brother John Hammond. I'll, I'll include a link to the book below. It's my favorite handling of the Twisting the Aces, but it's such a great trick, and I totally understand why it makes your list. Let's move on to number four. What is number four? Number four, speakeasy. Speakeasy. Uh, this is the coding. Uh, this is the coding system by Dan Harlan. Is it not? It is. And when I very first got into magic, showed up at a magic club meeting. One of my now good friends, Fred Rosenbaum, said, you need two things, Corinda and Speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the magic shop and I got those two things. And those, the combination of working with those two has been something that I've worked with ever since. I have so. I have a copy of Speakeasy and my partner and I are, 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 we have a plan to sit down and learn it because it's a brilliant way of secretly conveying information back and forth between two people and it hides it right out in the open. And I've heard that Speakeasy is one of the easier systems to learn. Yes, it is absolutely, probably currently the easiest system to learn. Um, I might have inside knowledge that a um, new, even easier to learn professional edition of Speakeasy will be released in the somewhat future. I am excited Perhaps. about that. I, 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 I feel like you're a trusted source on this, but let's move on to, uh, because Dan Harlan's speakeasy is amazing, but let's move on to number three. Knight's Tour Phantom Chessboard. Okay, and can you tell me what the Knight's Tour Phantom Chessboard is? Because I keep hearing about it, but I actually don't know what the effect is, and I'm sure our listeners are the same way. So 
the Knights Tour is a classic effect and it's performed many different ways. And it's spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. And it is based on a knight moving around the board using only the move that the knight can make that L shape. Mm -hmm. It hits every single spot one time and only one time and it can end on whatever piece selected oh, okay in a nutshell that's yeah. that's the knight's tour so it's like a this, it's a little bit of like a like a this is an impressive puzzle thing but also a prediction because you can know where it's going to land yes very cool but it has always required either the use of a crib the use of memorization the use of something mm-hmm. i have developed a board that has completely removed all the work oh very cool from from the tour you don't have to memorize anything you don't have to like know anything you don't have to be looking at a crib i taught it to my daughter in a few minutes and she was able to do it um and so the boards are night spelled with an n and see i'm doing it with my finger we're, we're <laughs> y'all i'm spelling it in the air for you. I can so confirm. That you can hear of my fingers. I can confirm for the audio listeners that that, that Sarah is spelling it uh, out with her fingers. But this sounds great. It's a. It's yeah. a sounds like a it's great night's tour. So easy, you can do it in your sleep. Love it. All right, let's move on to number two. Number two, numbers easy as pie. What is numbers easy as pie? So that is the second book in my three fundamentals of mnemonic series, and it is available in ebook format. And it teaches the first 500 places of pi. Wow. But it also, but it visually has images um, teaching the first 100. Dang it. And I'm pointing behind me to the <laughs> picture, to the painting that's, that teaches that first 100. Um, but then I also play with performance ideas. Oh, and so. And how, how to take pi and make it interesting instead of just listing off a string of numbers oh that's very cool i i like the idea of taking sort of memorization things and turning it into a performance almost stunt which is which is a great idea yes all right that brings us to number one uh which is number one the first release of the three fundamental series the amazingest memory test which is probably my all-time favorite memory routine Uh, and what exactly happens this in this memory routine uh it is from Corinda, mm-hmm. and um, Al Baker also has a variation. And you have, there's so many different ways to perform it. A skeletal view would be that the audience calls out a list of random objects, random things, any length. Mm-hmm. And not only can you call those objects back, you can call them back in any order. Any, I, so if they say, what's yeah. item number seven, you can tell them what it is. I have seen people perform these memory demonstrations, and it really does feel like magic because, I mean, like the average person couldn't remember all those things. And seeing people do it backwards and forwards and call out the, the, the evens and the odds is really, yeah. really impressive. And I love the numbers that, you know, which ones are stop them early and mm-hmm. which ones are left. And you can go through and list off which ones they haven't called out. and it is one of those things that can be performed as magic, as mentalism, as memory. I perform it as straight up memory. I say, this is what I'm doing. And people don't believe me. I, you know, they say, nope, there's a, it's a trick. There's, there's gotta be a trick, you know, until they start to learn it themselves. And then it's like, wow, it really is that easy. I so, love it. I love it. Well, Sarah, those are five fantastic tricks. And uh, we've got links in the description below for everyone to check those out. Sarah Elephant, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun.
Thanks to Sarah Elephant for joining me for the Top 5 Under 5. You'll be able to find links to those tricks in the show description. And be sure to keep an eye on the Penguin Magic School space because Sarah Ella is one of the newest faculty members of the Penguin Magic School. She'll be teaching her fantastic mnemonic systems and memory tricks. You won't want to miss it or any of the other great teachers, like me! More details on my class are coming soon. On to the main event. Brian Miller went viral when he gave a TEDx talk on how to magically connect with anyone. It's been seen more than 3.4 million times. He's since gone on to work events for some of the biggest names in the corporate world and is sought after as a corporate speaker. When he saw that the Penguin Magic had produced a custom deck of cards for the book The Practice by Seth Godin, he reached out to me to make sure that me and my listeners understood just how good that book is. It's evidence in our conversation via Zoom that this book had a profound effect on him and many others, and now you get to join our conversation. Ryan Miller, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm I'm so excited because it's very rare that someone reaches up to us about a product that we produced and says, hey, I really like this product a lot and I want to talk about it on the podcast. And also, I have a connection to the person and I benefit nothing from this. I just want to talk about how awesome it is. Uh, we're talking about the the practice, Shipping Creative Work by Seth Godin, the book, and the deck that Penguin produced for it. And can you give the audience a little bit of a background on what the, the book is? Yeah, so thanks so much for having me. I mean, yeah, yeah it's a, I guess it probably is, probably was a weird request or suggestion or phone call or mm-hmm. whatever, but uh, I, I am, so Seth Godin is kind of the father of modern marketing. Mm-hmm. People who know his name, he is an absolute legend upon legends. He invented uh, commercial email in the mid-90s, not spam, but commercial email. Um, so the ability for, you know, to send out email as an organization like that to people who want to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Messages to customers who want to hear from you. He invented that. Um, and so he has, this is his 20th New York Times bestseller in a row. And <laughs> That's like yeah, mind-boggling. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally ridiculous, right? Uh, he writes like the number one or one of the top business blogs in the world. It's a daily blog with over 7,000. He has over 7,000 blog posts. He's published daily for 25 years and never missed a day with millions of readers. It's just it's like it's ridiculous. I mean, and yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I Prior to working with Penguin, I worked in a professional environment and everyone in the office read his blog. I mean, yeah. and his books were like constantly recommended. Anytime someone new yeah. came into sort of a management role or any, or a marketing role, I mean, they they were just the handed one of his books. I mean, it was he's right. ubiquitous in the world of business. Yeah, and and you know, and and every he manages to have a sticky concept every single time. So for a while, the whole business world was talking about purple cows, right? Finding a way to make your your business unique, and they were talking about tribes way before that word has been kind of co opted. It's kind of got a negative connotation these days. But he was way ahead of the game with tribes. The idea that you could go find a very specific group of people uh, who all like a really weird thing, and then just lead them, show up to lead them, um, you know, and the curve being flattened, and all this stuff. He was so far ahead. And this is a really, really fascinating book. Uh, my connection to, to Seth was a random one. I was a huge fan. He was my hero, essentially. And then I uh, bumped into him at an airport at a layover. And that started a uh, relationship. Um, and he ended up uh, very graciously uh, blurbing, endorsing the my, my first book that I wrote. Um, he's very kind like that. He does that for a lot of um, up-and-coming authors. And this book, The Practice, is so interesting because Seth is an amateur magician. 
I, right? He's an amateur magician. He just loves magic. We should also say you are a professional magician. Seth is an amateur I magician. Am. This is the podcast hasn't taken a weird nosedive into the business world, everyone. This is this yeah. is magic related, we promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I so I was a, a full-time professional magician for for 10 years. I've been self-employed now for this is my 17th year. I made the transition from magic into uh, international keynote speaking and and writing via my kind of viral TEDx talk I gave um, now gosh now six years ago it's it seems like it was yesterday but uh so yeah so i have a huge you know i was a full-time magician i still do magic as part of my gig it's part of my speeches and seth loves magic and he's written about penguin magic before in other books on business he uses penguin as an example because he uses hundreds of examples in every book basically and he always at least uses penguin or something (laughs) magic related once um because he loves it, and he's not a sleight of hand artist. He's the first to tell you he's really only interested in self working stuff. He's the, he's he's you. I mean, he the, the for not you, Eric, but like the average person who's into magic is not a full time pro. They love magic. They buy a trick. They learn it. They show it to their friends and family once, and then they have to buy a new trick because they've got the same audience every time. And that's a beautiful thing. Like mm-hmm. that's a great thing about the magic community, and that's how Seth is. So the thing is. I saw you guys pop up on Penguin with his book with a companion pack of cards, the practice deck, and every single card has a different quote, an individual different quote, uh, independent on each card from the book. And of course, the deck is also a stripper deck, yay for magicians, we can have some fun with it. But I saw it pop up and I just had a moment where I thought to myself, you know, if I was a magician who'd never heard of this guy, Seth Godin, how would I have any idea why this book was for me? Why I should buy this? What's in it for me? What's it about? Because it's not about magicians. It wasn't even written for magicians. So my question was, what would a magician think seeing this? Why is this on a magic website? And that's what I wanted to come talk about a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting book, and uh, it, the the deck that it comes with is really pretty. We you know we did a lot of work to to put this together. Beautiful. It really is an, a nice deck of cards. Uh, I think we're going to be making uh, some videos about it soon, so that people can sort of like get more into it. But perhaps you could tell our audience like why they should read this book, whether they're a pro or an amateur magician, because on this podcast, we don't care if you're either. I mean, we're all we care about is that you're interested in magic. Yeah. Yeah. So the core concept in this book, if you could boil down the whole book to, to kind of one core idea, it's the idea of being a creative or being an artist what does it actually mean to be a creative what does it mean to be an artist and he flips the idea on its head as he does so often which is a lot of people think that you decide to be a creative therefore you do creative work most people have this idea right i'm going to be an artist therefore i'll do art i'm going to be a creative therefore i'll do creative work and his argument in this book is no it's the opposite. You do creative work, therefore you're a creative. You do art, therefore you're an artist. And what he call, that's what he calls the practice. The practice is treating your creativity, treating your art like a professional, right? Because professional is not a title. Professional is an attitude. It's a way of moving through the world. It's a way of seeing the world, of seeing yourself, of seeing your work, of having others see you. And so that's really the the core concept of the book. And I think that's why it's so valuable for magicians because I 
you know, I mean, I've, I was an amateur magician and then I was a semi-pro and then I was a pro for a long time. And I, I, I mean, I owe magic my life as so many magicians do, right? Yeah. I love magicians, but individual magicians drive me up a wall sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I'm sure everybody listening to this has had that experience or gets that, that feeling. And, and partly, and it's not just magicians, and it's artists in general. I think there's this thing we do as artists where our egos try to protect us from, you know, the judgment and all this stuff. And we have this idea that somehow art, creativity is like this this gift from above that randomly bestows itself upon you. And if you you have to wait for that moment to strike, and then you can do your art. And the argument in this book is, no, just do your art. You, yeah. you treat it like any professional treats anything that they do. It's uh, it's it's really true, and I I know personally my experiences having gone to conventions and talked to people, and they're just like, wow, how can you like come up with the, these things? And it's just I play a lot, and I, I take risks mm -hmm. a lot, like with live people, and I think that's a lot of what like this book is talking about is just go out and do it, and don't worry about the about like how you're classified or anything. I think, and one thing I wanted to ask you more about in the book and that really spoke to me is this idea that experiencing imposter syndrome is is actually a sign that you're a well-adjusted human, which is just, it brings me so much comfort having a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome myself and and mm. making that an idea that no, this is this is a good quality is I I think is important for more people to hear as well. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Siamese Waltz from Benny Chickering. Nick LaCapo joined me via Discord to discuss this astonishing card trick. Nick, we're talking about something today because this sells out all the time. And I know. Are you sure we should do this? Because uh, by the time we're done talking, you know, it might might not be there anymore yeah i mean well especially like because you know when they listen to the podcast they know that they're going to get a discount on something so people are going to jump all over this and you know i, I give i a, hope we made enough of I, <laughs> I give out the name of the creator in the beginning of the week and people watch us on social media so they may have immediately this might already by the time this podcast is out it might already be gone we're talking about siamese we waltz be, by benny yeah Chikrin. yeah siamese waltz this trick's awesome so you have two cards they get signed. Bolts cards get signed by two different spectators. You tear them both down the center, so you have you know two pieces of each card. And then in the, in the blink blink of an eye, Eric, they restore full full cards. But they don't just restore. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like the restoration is crazy. They uh, they restore like how do you say this? They fuse the two. You don't restore the full card. You restore one piece from one card and one piece from another card. So when you show it to the spectator, spectator one and two, both pieces of the cards that they signed are fused as one, and you hand it out to them. That's it's a hard thing to explain. Actually, that's some witchcraft, is what that is. It's uh, yeah, yeah. This I mean, this trick's amazing. This is you you find this in the working repertoires of restaurant workers, of uh, people who do walk around at cocktail events and big corporate gigs, like and Shin Lim. Yeah, Shin Lim did it. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's it's nuts how good this trick is. Yeah, Shin is. did it on Larry King and uh, Rachel Ray, I believe. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like an anniversary waltz. It was hard. For, it's hard to actually explain out loud as to what actually happens. But at the end of the routine, both cards that the spectator signed, like the two people signed, end up as one, but not like back to back. They're like split down the middle on the face of the card, and there's tear marks, and it just doesn't make any sense. And both of their signatures are there, 
right? And you end up with two souvenirs, which is nice. You can give one to one person, one to the other person, and they can keep it. Yeah, you know? it's sort of it, it takes a lot of the sort of like inherent problems with anniversary waltz and wanting to give something away that two people sign. And it kind of cleans all that up with a really cool gimmick. It's really easy to do. And you, you're able to make essentially two impossible objects in real time and give that away. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's funny. Like when I would do anniversary waltz, uh, if it was for like, like people that were just meeting at a bar or something, mm-hmm. I would end up like getting the, the phone number for this one person on one side of the card and then tear that one gimmick mm-hmm. in half so they both got a piece of it. But with Siamese walls here, you don't you don't have to uh, you don't have to do any of that because yeah, you end up with two different gimmicks, and that's because the gimmick that you receive, the one that you're going to be using in the performance, uh, that it just that's how it works. Like all, you don't have to do anything yeah. by the way yeah. e- either. Like how easy is this trick? Yeah. You just you, you just tear two cards in that's, half. Right? That's literally it. You just like you end up just like tearing two cards in half, and and the gimmick kind of does all of the work for you. You get a great, mm-hmm. you get a great little routine, uh, great giveaways. Uh, you should jump on this now, uh, especially if you already do it and you're going to get it a little bit cheaper. I mean, it's back in stock because we're talking about it, so check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an amazing uh, like reputation making type trick, uh, and yeah, if you can get it on discount, there's no reason to uh, to not own Siamese Waltz. That was Siamese Waltz by Benny Chickering, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the listeners to this podcast get a special discount on our featured product of the week when they enter the special discount code at checkout. And that discount code this week is TWINS. Just enter TWINS, that's T-W-I-N-S, at checkout for 25% off this incredible fused card effect. Now, back to my conversation with Brian Miller. One thing I wanted to ask you more about in the book that really spoke to me is this idea that experiencing imposter syndrome is is actually a sign that you're a well-adjusted human, which is just, it brings me so much comfort having a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome myself and and mm. making that an idea that, no, this is this is a good quality is, I, I think, is important for more people to hear as well. Yeah, you know what's so interesting about that is the most successful people, and by the way, define success however it means to you. Success is not the one hustle culture thing you see on Instagram all day, right? However success means to you, success. the more successful people are, the more imposter syndrome they tend to have. The people at the top of their fields tend to be the highest levels of imposter syndrome. And what it, you know, and the reason is, the better you get at something, the more you do it, the more you realize how much you don't know about it, Yeah. right? And it's why amateurs, and I've been there, tend to have egos. I remember being really arrogant when I was a young magician thinking I was amazing because I didn't know enough about magic to realize how much I didn't know yet. Oh, man. If I could go back and talk to, like, five-year-in magic Eric, I would slap him upside yeah. the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, that, that recognition of that, what you just mm-hmm. said, I wish I could go back and slap that guy. That, that's a good thing, right? And the, the imposter syndrome, you know, it, it really kicks in because you are an imposter. And so am I. And so are all of us. None of us really know what we're doing. But the people who are successful are doing it anyway. Yes. They're shipping the work anyway. They're doing the work. They're putting it in the world. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. And that's another core concept in this book is that you can't control the outcomes. Right. You can only control your intentions. You can do the best that you can do. You can make the work as good as you can make it. And then you put it into the world. You let the world judge it and you ignore the judgment. 
you just leave it because the the outcome is not up to you it's up to them the audience it's uh you know a, a long time ago someone was was asking me like how do you how do you like make it in entertainment and and what you're talking about is so true is that like 90% of the outcome of everything is it's it's in somebody else's hands. It has it, you have you have no control over whether an audience is going to like it or if the show is even going to get promoted or anything like that. And you can blame uh, the rest of the world, but you can't do anything except just go out and do it over and over again until something sticks and something hits. Uh, I I couldn't tell you how I got where I am today. I mean, if I I've been interviewed on podcasts and they're like, "Well, tell me about like how you became what you are now," and I'm like, "That is a that is a heck of a good question. No one has yeah. any idea." Why, right, well, you know, it's so funny because I now I get asked a lot similarly on podcasts and, and, and privately, you know, how how do I, by people who want to be a professional speaker, they're like, yeah. how do I become a keynote speaker? How do I fly all over the world and give speeches at big conferences? And I'm like, I'm like, well, if you're asking me, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the answer is you be a magician for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You work your way up from working at local restaurants until you're doing the national college tour. Then you give a tiny little TEDx talk in a high school with bad audio. For some reason, it goes viral and they start calling you to give keynote speeches. That's how you become a keynote speaker yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. That's how I did it. You know, <laughs> And that's not – I think we are laughing because of the, the circuitous routes that we took to get here. But that is not to say that it isn't very, very difficult work and you do have to like to work at it over and over again. But I think that's what this book keeps getting back to is that when you do the work over and over again, you learn a lot more. And just because you don't know how you got here or that you find out that you don't know – like that you – that no one knows everything, that no one is like truly the expert uh, on, you know, the end all be all, because there's always so much more to learn than you wish that you could. That's not to say that people don't have hard, uh, haven't done hard work and that they don't know something of how to advance and, and provide advice uh, in, in those. Areas. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's what here. The four of clubs says it. It's on the four of clubs in this pack. A good mm -hmm. process can lead to good outcomes, but it doesn't guarantee them. Yes. A good process can lead to good outcomes. And that's what you're that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. like, yeah, I, I worked really hard as a magician for those 10 years. And I I learned a lot and I made a lot of mistakes and I kept working at it and I kept putting it out there. And I you can learn how to do things that make it very likely you will get more and more successful over time, but mm -hmm. you can't actually predict what the outcomes are going to be. I can put myself in situations where it's more likely good things will happen, but I don't know exactly what those good things are or when they're going to happen, I, right? Yeah. That's, that's the thing, and I think not knowing that – uh, not having the predictable nature that we like to have, you know, we like to be predictable. Mm -hmm. I think it scares a lot of people, and it and it and it especially scares artists because what we're doing is fundamentally vulnerable, or at least it feels vulnerable. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things that this book is about too, which is it's no more vulnerable than any other type of professional work. It's just work. Do the work. Get it done. I think it's even more scary slash irritating for magicians because we we present to the outside world this idea that we can control things that we have sort of mm -hmm. this ineffable power that will allow us to reshape the world around us and when we when we have to marry this idea that the outside force that we can control you know with the reality that we don't have that kind of control it 
it becomes even more frustrating when you're trying to go, well, look, I can do all of these amazing, wonderful things, but when it comes to my professional life, why can't I control this? And it just gets back to learning good practices and doing your best to put yourself in these, you know, higher positive outcome likely situations. Yeah, and uh, you know what? On, on that note, I've, I've got a handful of these these cards here with these great quotes yeah. that I, I wanted to have out in case they yeah let's talk came up. Let's talk about the deck real quick, but please go go with those yeah. quotes and then let's get to the deck a little bit. Well, so what you were just talking about here's here's one of the quotes uh, right here on the five of diamonds. Uh, how do I make this better? How do I make this better is different than how do I make this mm. right. How do I make this better is different than how do I make this. The goal is just to keep getting better, mm-hmm. right? And and, and, yeah. and it reminds me of something that Seth has said so many times, which is more isn't the point. Mm-hmm. Better is the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, man, listen to the early days of this podcast. It wasn't great. It's only gotten better because I've continued to do it despite, <laughs> right? yeah, despite the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the deck a little bit. Yeah, the deck is really pretty. Uh, it's, uh, it's, nice it's 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 you know it's it's a well-designed deck uh that has gone through sort of the penguin process it's got you know it's you know it's it's well printed it's got you know custom artwork everywhere uh it has got a bordered design comes with a custom tuck box it all the uh, the artwork matches the book uh it's a nice deck on nice stock with a nice finish so you know when you pull it out it's it's not like this deck was you know just sort of printed up by someone who thought oh a deck of an inspirational deck of cards would go well with this book this was something that penguin took on and then you know had sort of kevin Raylick and and all of the the folks that are involved in our card production department go through and, and make yeah i mean it, it really is it, it's it's beautiful and, and what i love about it is yeah it's really cool that it was made into a stripper deck and you could have a lot of fun with that and mm-hmm. in fact you 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 could absolutely, I'm sure, like you said, you guys are working on videos. You could use the quotes on it as part of a routine, something really artful, something really beautiful while leveraging it. But even if you just get this for yourself, which for me is why I have it, you know, the fact that you can just cut to any random card, like you were randomly opening a page of a book yeah. and you get a quote, something there that's really inspirational, that's just going to snap you back into reality. If you're if you're having a day where as an artist you're struggling, you just can't quite get it done, you can't get into the flow state or whatever it is, you just randomly cut the deck, look at a quote and go, ah, and it just kind of gets you back on track which is which is beautiful it strikes me as a good practice deck while you're just like messing around Mm. with moves or whatever and then like you know you may be doing a double lift or practicing a color change and all of a sudden one of those quotes that like really works out just sort of speaks to you in that moment and it it could spark something new and you know there's a couple of decks like that on the market but i really like that this one sort of you know is inspired by seth godin who has sort of consistently you know his practice is putting out like (laughs) positive things that are like good like good solid advice that isn't just like wishy-washy you know garbage yeah yeah i mean it's and and there's also i think one of the things that's worth noting is some people uh and i get this are are averse to the kind of self-help genre that is a little more mindset-y a little more top level and that's that's not really what he's doing for what it's worth it, it he kind of uses the language of the mindset people but to give really specific actionable advice and like here's seven of clubs this is one of my favorite things and i preach this all the time which is choose your clients choose your future and what that means so this is more for the semi-pros and the pros out there uh so we'll go quickly on this but 
there what I think so many freelancers forget, and I mean whatever you do, forget even artists, anybody who is employed for themselves, freelancers, uh, small business owners, you forget that the whole reason that you go into business for yourself is so that you can have control over your destiny as opposed to clocking in and having a boss and working for somebody else's dream. So when I see freelancers, which includes magicians and you know comedians and jugglers and all these guys, balloon twisters, uh, when I see them complaining about how bad their clients are, it just strikes me as very strange because mm-hmm. you get to choose your clients. You can just say no. You don't have to accept that gig, and you can market to a different client base. So if you're frustrated with the way a particular client base is, stop marketing to them. Or if they're the only people being attracted to you, now you know where the problem is. Your marketing is, is attracting a kind of person you don't like working with. So go work on your marketing and figure out how to attract a kind of person you do like working with. And that to me is a huge insight. Yeah, I you know, I I think family family and kids show magicians are some of the bravest entertainers in the world and the ones who do <laughs> yes. it well I love, but there is a very specific reason that I do not market myself to them. I haven't done a kids show or a family show in years and uh, and I'm yeah. and it's cuz I don't market to that that group. I don't I don't do those kinds of uh, gigs and and this is Hundred percent right. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Yeah, there's and it's it's a uh, it's a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. too. It's a very common bias, uh, a, a kind of a limiting belief um, that uh, you know. I had somebody say this to me and kind of angrily recently when I was talking about this. They were so they were so frustrated with some gig that they literally do every year. Mm-hmm. They've done for years, but they were angry about it because all the conditions are wrong and they're wrong every year. And, and I just said, stop taking the gig. And they said, well, that's nice for you to say, but I need the money. And it's like, y- yes, but you're self-employed, which means you have the power to go find that money from somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? There's no reason you, that can't be the only gig. There yeah. is, there have to be others, but it's about developing a practice mm-hmm. and doing the work. Well, I, I think that, that uh, we're about out of time, and that's a great place to to, put, uh, to leave it. But, Brian, before we go, uh, I know that you're you're sort of all over the place doing a bunch of stuff. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and what you do before we uh, take off here. Sure. Thanks so much, Eric. Uh, you know what? You're listening to a podcast, and that means you like podcasts. So you can go check out my podcast, which is Beyond Networking. So uh, Beyond Networking Podcast. Uh, you can go look that up. It's beyondnetworkingpodcast.com, actually. And uh, two or three seasons ago, I did a full interview with Seth Godin, and we talked about all kinds of things, including magic, uh, amazingly. We talked for like 10 minutes about magic and its relation to marketing. Uh, so, yeah, if you're into podcasts, Go check that out. Uh, the whole idea of Beyond Networking is we help you build a sustainable career in an increasingly unpredictable world. And I was doing that pre-COVID, so super relevant now. Well, uh, we'll be sure to uh, post some links to that down in the show description below and uh, maybe even a link to the podcast episode that you did with Seth Godin where you guys talk about magic. Brian, awesome. Brian Miller, thanks so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Brian Miller for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Go check out The Practice. There's a link to it in the show description below. Before we go, I've been getting messages from a number of you asking if we're going to be at Magi Fest next week, and we are! Nick Lacapo is going to be in our dealer's booth with some really cool tricks, and maybe even a 
few that haven't been released yet. I'll be roaming the convention halls looking to session with anyone who can shuffle a deck of cards, and we're all going to be looking forward to spending time with you, so don't hesitate to say hello. Next week on the show, I'm joined by Nick Lacapo for another State of the Penguin. We'll be talking tricks, live streams, magic news, and so much more. We'll also be taking some viewer questions, so if there's anything you want to know about, just reach out to us through the Penguin Magic social media. We'd love to hear from you. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you give unsolicited advice to other people on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to type it in the comments of whichever you think is my favorite episode of Hot Ones. I'm a hot sauce guy now. Give me the fire. Also, if anyone knows Sean Evans, tell him I want to be on Hot Ones. Also, why don't I have a Wikipedia page yet? You know what? This is not the time for that. I have a lot of questions for y'all, but most importantly, I need hot sauce. I need hot sauce right now. But if incomprehensibly spicy chicken wings aren't for you, then you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. 